perception, perception is reality. Reality. All right, pull that down. We're going to go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this 189th episode of Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. This is the 189th episode of the podcast. This is a show that I'm calling The Death of the Fourth Estate. For those of you that know what the fourth estate is, we're going to be talking about what's going on with media, journalism, political journalism, criticism of elected officials by the media, and the lack of criticism, the lack of keeping the elected officials in check, which is what the media should be doing. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about how it used to be. This is going to be a real fun episode. I'm going to be real loose because a couple days ago, uh, about a week ago, I was talking with producer Kate and Brandon Clower, and I was talking about how I was having a writer's block as a content creator. I was having an issue because there are several things that I'm working on But none of those things are close to me being able to talk about yet. None of those things are to where I can be loose and talk about them and feel comfortable to fill like an entire episode or even like one episode of a couple different topics. It's going to be a little bit down the road before a lot of the things that I'm currently working on come to fruition. Now, I know that we are in the early, early beginning stages of the 2022 midterm election, the campaign for that general election, the fall November election. It's the end of July, beginning of August. We're in just the early stages of the campaign kickoff. And I know that there's a little bit of information there, but I didn't feel like I've got enough to talk about. And we're going to be talking about that for the next several months. So I was just like, "Ah, man, I... I really don't know what I should be looking at. And Kate and I were talking about a couple different things. And Brandon said, well, well, you know, look at what's going on. Look at what you've currently been through uh, in several different areas. Look at the media and how it's not doing its job (laughs) with the officials in several different communities. And then, hell, it's it's not even just local politics. It's state politics. It's national politics. And, you know, it's it's been a massive, massive industry picking on journalists for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. So it's not like this is a new topic. But I've not really ever talked about it and talked about my frustration with specifically what happens because 
Okay, so for those of you that have listened to this podcast for a long time, it it took me a little bit before I realized like what I was doing. And I would say probably the first 40 or 50 episodes because I do this show, Perception is Reality, the audio podcast, and then I also do the live at 35, the live at 835, the live at 935, whatever that is, the live video commentary. And it frustrates me because people will say, oh yeah, I've turned people on to your podcast. And I'm like, oh yeah, cool. You've turned on new listeners to Perception is Reality. And they're like, no, no, to to what you do on Facebook. And I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. But please have them listen to the audio podcast because That's the main show. And there for a while, I was doing the same content on both. I was talking about the same types of things on both this and the live. And I can understand where people would say, well, I like the live a little bit better. And so if you're going to talk about the same stuff, I'm just going to watch the live. So then I I got to the point where I realized I'm going to have to do things differently. And it hit me that I have more listeners here on the audio podcast a lot. Tons, 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 tons more of you listening here than, than connect with me on Facebook. Now, I want each and every one of you to also connect with me on Facebook. That would be great, too. Facebook.com forward slash Bilberry318. I release a lot of interesting content there. Written content. I, I publish articles from different newspapers. And then I do the five nights a week live video commentary there. It's live. It's it's not scripted. It's just me talking and and you can interact with me. It's it's a fun it's a fun concept, okay? But there I talk about really specific things going on in my community like in the city of Muncie, in the city of Winchester like different communities. And so people from those communities tune in at different times, if I'm going to be talking about Newcastle, if I'm going to be talking about this or that or the state, different people tune in and they like watching different things. But I realized probably around the 40th or 50th episode here, because before that, I was just kind of all over the place. Sometimes I would talk about generic issues, then sometimes I would be so very specific, and it was niche, like on this show I would interview uh, a guest that was a candidate running for Newcastle, and people are listening that are from like Colorado, and they're like, what is this? Why would I listen to this? So that's when I determined that what I talked about here needed to be wider concept, bigger ideas, bigger principles, so that people all over could listen. Now, I know the majority of you are from Indiana, so whatever I'm talking about in Muncie or or Winchester or Fort Wayne or wherever I'm talking about, even if you live in southern Indiana, you might not care specifically about what I'm facing up here or, or if I'm talking about down there, someone up here might not care about what I'm specifically talking about, but we know that the laws are the same. But people out of the state 
you know, don't really care. So I know that a lot of you listen from Indiana, but there are also many, many listeners from outside of Indiana. And so what I like to try to do here, what the point of this is, is I try to talk about bigger topic issues of just being a citizen, wanting to make a difference, wanting to to get active and wanting to get involved, needing to get educated and doing what we can do to fight the powers that be, okay? And then on the Facebook thing, I talk about more niche things. And that's how I differentiate the two. So when I determined that I could start talking about things that were bigger concept, I I think things have been better here. So this topic of media... And how the media, and and I consider myself in there, I'm not a journalist, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about my thoughts on that, opinion versus middle-of-the-road, straight-line news, and which is better or worse, or do they both have a place, you know, whatever. We're going to talk about all of this, but there have been a couple specific things that have happened to me that I've been aware of in... A couple different areas where local papers have really missed the opportunity to do what they should do. And the thing is, I know that's not just a one-off happening in my neck of the woods. I know that's happening everywhere. It's the same thing that's happening at the state level. It's the same thing that's happening at the national level. So this is a very interesting topic Because the media, the political journalist, the press, the fourth estate, those people that are supposed to be working to bring us factual information of what's going on in our communities, in the government, in our world, they are what link. It's a linking organization. They link the public to the public officials, and when they're not doing their jobs, it causes a problem. And it's a problem that we, as concerned citizens, have to face. Because when we say we're tired of people being apathetic, we're tired of people not caring, we're tired of people not knowing who their officials are and what their officials are doing, right, wrong, good or bad, we're, we're tired of people not knowing who's running for office. And now, yes, the citizens need to own a little of that themselves because it's their responsibility to kind of know what's going on. But when the organization that is there, that's in place to do a job and bring people the facts of what's going on, whether it be in their town, their city, their county, their state, or the federal government, and they are not doing that, well, then it makes it a little harder. And it happens from top to bottom and bottom to top. If national media, national social media pages that people are seeing every time we turn on our computers, our laptops, our tablets, our cell phones, we're seeing all of these 
web pages and these links and these sites that are biased or doing something wrong or not holding people accountable on the federal level, that's a problem. But then it bleeds down to the state level, and if we have state media that's not holding our state elected officials in Indiana or Kentucky or Ohio or Colorado, if they're not holding them accountable, then that's a problem. And it bleeds all the way on down to the papers in L.A. or New York or Indianapolis or the Star Press in little old Muncie, Indiana, all the way down to the the college paper in your college town or the little the little town newspaper that's put out once a month and i understand that different news organizations and different places like that have different budgets they have different groupings of people with different levels of education in journalism and in investigative reporting and they do various different things but at the end of the day If you're buying, reading, or cheating and looking at it through the incognito link on your, on, on the computer, your newspaper online, or if you're picking up a little copy that's free at the gas station for your little town rag, if they're supposed to be giving you the news of what's going on in your community, and they're not telling it to you straight they're not giving you the ins and the outs of what's going on because they know Susie that's on the town board the person who writes the local news article the person who writes for the local town newspaper is on the city council then then they have a little bit of skin in that game and they might be doing things wrong and then that is harmful to us. It's not just CNN, MSNBC, Fox News that's biased and doesn't tell it to us straight. Oh, no, 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 no. It happens down at the smallest, most local levels. And that's an issue. When the media, whether it be big-time media corporations, big-time journalistic institutions, are biased, and they sling themselves one way too far left or one way too far right, or they won't hold the elected officials accountable because of this reason or that reason, when it's happening at the state level, when it's happening at the county level, when it's happening at the city and the town level, that is a problem. When the elected officials can't deal with criticism from the journalist that's just been something that's happened since the beginning of time, when they can no longer deal with criticism from the news, from the reporters, from the opinion people, from the commentators, the talking heads, the pundits, people like me and and other people, better and worse, all over at various levels, when they can't deal with that, 
And that's just a hop, skip, and a jump to not being able to deal with criticism from the citizens. And that's what we're seeing. And so it, it's not just a national issue, a state issue. It's very, very much a local issue. And it's happening everywhere. It's not just happening in the big cities, in New York, in L.A., in Chicago, in Indianapolis, in Fort Wayne. It's happening in Muncie. It's happening in Anderson. It's happening in whatever your little cities, towns, and counties are in your states. Wherever you are at, what I am talking about and what we're going to talk about in this episode is happening. And it is a massive disservice. And it's a lot of the reason, in my opinion, that we have problems with elected officials that are unwilling to have themselves be held accountable. Because if they're not letting the people that's always held them accountable hold them accountable, if they're not letting the community watchdogs and the community activists and those people that have always been political and always have come to the meetings, if they're not letting Joe Blow, Tom, Dick, Harry, Sally, Jane hold them accountable, then they're not going to let anyone else hold them accountable in the media and furthermore if the media can't hold them accountable and we witness the death of the media the death of the political journalist the investigative journalist if we witness the death of the fourth estate then they aren't going to allow anyone including the public at large hold them accountable, and then they are untouchable, and that is a problem. Now, look, I didn't invent this. I'm not the first person that has said the death of the fourth estate. Google it. Look it up on YouTube. You can find many, many, many videos and examples of this. I've just never really covered it before, and I feel like it needs to be covered because if we truly are wanting to make our communities our towns, cities, counties, states better so that then the federal government can have a chance at being better, then we need to be able to hold these people accountable. We need to be able to expect them to be able to take criticism, and we need to be able to count on media or at least at least attempt to be able to count on them, and they need to be doing their damn jobs too, and we need to hold the media and people like me accountable to do the jobs as well. And so this is what we're going to be talking about in this 189th episode. I think it's a very interesting topic. It's definitely something that we need to consider, and we need to understand that we do have a lot of good people in government. We do have a lot of good public officials, but there are also a lot of bad public officials, and we have a lot of issues in government, at the town-level government, the city-level government, the county-level government, state-level government, and beyond. And that's why we are in a lot of the problems that we are in today. And that is compounded by the fact that nobody can hold these people accountable, including the people who are in the jobs and the positions to do that, which is the political journalist, investigative journalist, reporters, and it happens whether you're talking about the federal, the state, or 
Court National, and it is an issue. And so this is what we're going to be talking about more in depth in this episode. I think it's going to be an interesting topic that we all need to know more about. I do want to say before we get more involved, thank you, thank you, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that are returning or those of you that are new first-time listeners. Thank you for clicking on the link and giving me a little bit of your time. No matter if you are a returning long-time listener or this is your first episode, I do want to ask you to help us out here and share the show with everyone you know. Of course, the name of the audio podcast is Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. We can be found literally everywhere, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many, many more. All they have to do is search for us by name on those platforms, Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Or one of the easiest ways to find us is simply to go to the home link, perception.fireside.fm. That is perception.fireside.fm. There you can hear all of the old and new episodes. You can also jump to one of the other podcast platforms from the home link if you would so choose as well. Lastly, as I've already brought up, don't forget to check out my Facebook link, Christopher H. Bilbrey on Facebook or facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey318. There I release live video episodes five nights a week at either 8.35 or 9.35 p.m. It's a lot of fun. Don't miss out on that. And lastly, we can be found on TikTok at Perception318. If you're on TikTok, check us out and follow us. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break so we can take care of some sponsorships. But when we return, we're going to jump in to this topic in further detail. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by Vital Farms, established in 2007. Vital Farms, where honest food is raised. Vital Farms' mission is to bring ethical food to the table. They do everything they can to improve the lives of people, animals, and the planet through food. Whether it's giving the girls year-round outdoor access, supporting family farmers, enabling you to trace your eggs back to the farm, or debunking misleading animal welfare claims, you can and always trust Vital Farms to be where honest food is raised. Their pasture-raised eggs, butter, and egg bites are delicious, ethical food that you do not have to question. Vital Farms, where honest food is raised. Check them out at vitalfarms.com today. And this episode is brought to you by the National Concealed Carry Association. Check them out at the nationalconcealedcarryassociation.com. The National Concealed Carry Association exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates offering elite self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors and providing rock-bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. Check them out at nationalconcealedcarryassociation.com. Do not delay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Episode 189, Perception is Reality, The Death of the Fourth Estate. So the Fourth Estate is news, media, journalistic folks, people out there that's supposed to be bringing us the information that's happening in our world. It's not just 
politics and government. It's everything that's going on. It's supposed to be factual information so that the majority of the people can say, yeah, that's probably a pretty realistic description of what happened yesterday. I mean, that's that's the bottom line, right? That the news is supposed to be kind of just a historical telling of like what happened yesterday or the day before. You know, what's going on currently in the world? You know, the newspaper has always kind of puzzled me because by the time you're getting it, it's already happened. And I'm like, man, I, I don't want to wait until it's already happened. I want to know about things while it's happening. So, I mean, if you think about it, think back, 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 back before social media, back before the digital world, back before the 24-hour news cycle, back before even TV cable news, back when there was just the, the big three, NBC, ABC, CBS, and the radio stations, back before radio, back when there was just print media. Think about before there was print media. How did news travel? How did people find out about what was going on? Before there were, were books, before there were magazines, well, things got spread by word of mouth. Mostly sailors and world travelers Adventurers or people that was in the slave trade or in the the sales of of spices and and other goods that traveled around, mostly sailors from one area to the next. I mean, if you think about it, it took three months by sailboat by like the big old sailboats to get from Europe to here, to America, the New World. So when something happened in London or in France, by the time you heard about it in New York, it was three months old, but it was news because you were hearing about it for the first time, you know? And that was back when people might be living here in the New World, but they might have family back across the pond so it was important, and word of mouth was important, and people being factual was important. You'd send messages back and forth, and it would take forever. And sometimes it could be like a game of telephone. You'd tell one person something, and that person tells another person something, and then by the time it gets back around, it's like completely not what was originally told, and that was like your first, like gossip column whatever but then when the printed word was possible in 1456 the Gutenberg press was invented they made the Gutenberg Bible they were able to then very costly and very hard to do, but they were able to print the written word. In 1600, think about this, in 1600, the first newspaper was created in the 17th century in Europe. And now, it was not a newspaper like we would think today, not like itty-bitty little columns 
with just like the headline and the just skims of what happened, it like was in full detail because they didn't publish it all the time. So they wrote things out in massive detail and they covered as much of what was going on as possible. In 1665, we had the first regularly published newspaper. It was England's Oxford Gazette. It was the first newspaper that was printed on a regular basis. And it was the first time that people would buy or trade the paper to see like what was going on. In 1690, the first paper, the public occurrences, was canceled in America for not having the proper permits. Think about that. For not having the proper permits. In 1791, the First Amendment, the First Amendment was ratified 15th of December, 1791. That's the Bill of Rights was ratified, the First Amendment. So in America, you had the freedom of press. And then in 1830, it just starts bang, bang, banging from there. The penny press was put forward, and this was something where the cost of the of the press was going down, and so they were able to publish more. Newspapers grew during this time, during the Industrial Revolution. The prices of the papers dropped. In 1833, Benjamin Day created the New York Sun, and in the first year, sold 5,000 copies a day. For one penny. Within two years, he was up to 15,000 newspapers a day. And he focused on a lot of what was going on in their world. I mean, you think about this, what was going on in America at 1835. That's, that's really, that's really uh, amazing. There was a boom of journalism and the the will to improve upon journalism in the late 1830s. There was a newspaper called the New York Herald that had the first Wall Street coverage, and it was the first American paper that was most like newspapers that we see today. In 1846 we see the birth of the Associated Press. All right? The New York Times was born in 1851, and they used to use the tagline, Fair and Balanced. <laughs> Think about that. That's interesting to me. Then in 1861, the Civil War, war correspondence was a big thing. And then the first radio waves was sent out in 1887. That's big. 
Yellow journalism kicked up in 1895. That's when newspapers, specifically in New York, started using sensationalism over factual information because they wanted to sell papers. Blood and guts and politicians and their lives, their private lives, stuff that was like titillating was a bigger draw than what was really going on. And I would have to say that that's when things really started going downhill. Think about that. That was 1895. That's when it all went to pot from there forward. Hell, we've not even gotten into 1900 was the birth of investigative reporting. You know, um, uh, the the first radio station was in Pittsburgh, KDKA in 1920. The FCC was created in 1934 and decided that they needed to be over all radio and TV waves, anything that was broadcast out. In the 40s and 50s, we see the big impact with TV. And... We see the advent of the big three on TV, NBC, CBS, ABC. And that's when you have newsmen who are telling you just like it is. They're giving you the facts of the story. It's like those people would hear of a plane crash and they would tell you when the crash was, where the crash was, what kind of airplane it was, why the plane crashed if they knew, how many people lived, how many people died, and what the weather was like. They did not give you their opinion as to why they thought it crashed. Was it pilot air? Was it a bird they hit? They would just give you the bare bones facts. They would not put their bias into it. Now, does that mean they didn't have bias? I don't believe that's possible. Everybody's human. Everybody leans one way or another, thinks one way or another. And that's what they trained them to do. And so if you take that same approach to political reporting, reporting on what the people in office is doing, and it doesn't matter if it's the president of the United States or it's a town council with 300 people in the town and you've got three people on a board. It doesn't matter how big or how small. The bottom line is whether it's a New York newspaper covering the New York City Council, however many people is on that. I think they have various councils, whatever goes on there. Or a paper like the Winchester News Gazette. The point of this was to cover what happened in the meeting. Not for the person writing the story to interject his and or her thoughts into that story. Now, I have a personal story to tell you. I've recently been watching what's been occurring in Winchester, Indiana. 
And there's a couple ways to see what goes on there because they are not in today's world. They do not live stream their meetings, which they should, and that is a failing of their officials. I've been bitching at them since 2014 to somehow record, put on YouTube, get that information out. When Facebook Live became a thing, I was like, look, you can put it on Facebook Live. It'll be easy. And they would always tell me how hard it would be, how crazy it would be. Nobody will listen. What's the point? (laughs) I was like, if one person listens, it's worth it. Whatever. So you can go to Winchester's meeting And you can sit in the meeting if you're able to get there in time. It's used to be at 6.30. Now it's at 6. They keep moving it closer and closer to the, you know, a time when a lot of people have a hard time being there. So you can go and sit and watch it with your own eyes. Or you can read the minutes next month after they have approved them at the next meeting. Then they are available. The problem is what is put in the minutes is not word for word what happens. If you go and you witness a Muncie City Council meeting or an Indianapolis City Council meeting, City County Council meeting, and you look at their minutes, if you look at big cities and their city council meetings and a lot of other places, and then you go look at the minutes and you recorded that meeting, you can literally follow almost word for word the minutes with the recording of that meeting. That's what I love about what Muncie does, and they've done that for quite some time. That's not new. It's not happened under this new administration or this new clerk. It happened under the old administration. It's happened for some time in the city of Muncie, and I'm very impressed with that. But in Winchester, as in... Newcastle and a lot of other smaller communities, they think it doesn't matter. So they they go to the meeting, they have the meeting, they may record it, they may not, but then when they put the minutes of the meeting together, which the minutes are the only official thing that they by law have to have, so it should be the most telling report of what it is. But a lot of times it's not, so that's not very good, but you can read that. Or you can read the Winchester News Gazette's telling of what happened. They might have it in in a couple days, it might be in in a week, it might be in in two weeks, or maybe they don't run a story at all. But if or when they do run a story, beware. The editor... And sometimes a reporter, the reporter slash editor of the Winchester News Gazette is a sitting city councilor in Winchester. So she's not going to write. Lisa Count Lisa Friend argued with a citizen and didn't didn't seem friendly. No pun intended. She's not going to write that because that's her. So right there is an example of the media in Winchester not 
holding accountable or doing the job that they should be doing. Now, that's the same thing that happens everywhere. People bitch about CNN not holding Biden accountable. Fox News wouldn't hold Trump accountable because all of these news organizations, quote-unquote journalistic news organizations, have their bias. At that point, what is the difference between the news person that you're watching at 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. on that channel and a talking head or myself? I specifically caution everybody that I am not a journalist. I am an opinion person. I am a political commentator. I have a bias, and I am going to tell you that up front. I'm not going to lie about it. I'm not going to make you think that I am just giving you factual information, and everything that you're hearing out of my mouth is the way that it is. No, 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 no. I tell you, when I talk about what goes on, I use the truth. That's my, my only caveat here is I have to be truthful. But outside of that truth, I then offer up my own thoughts and my own opinions based on my perceptions, based on my perceived notions, where I am in the world, what my life experiences are, and I give it to you based on what I want you to do with the information. Now, some people will say, well, you're harmful. Not if I tell you up front that I have this bias. You know, people say, we just need people that stick straight to the straight down the middle. And I used to agree with that. We needed people to do that. But then I get to thinking, did those, I mean, those people didn't, they weren't free of bias. They just did their best to hide it. Sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. What I say is, it's kind of like buyer beware, caveat emptor. You as the listener need to be aware of what you're listening to. And the media shouldn't lie. The media should say, we are just a fact-gathering and fact-repeating station or journalist, or podcast, or blog, or paper, or whatever, then you should be able to read that. If somebody is left-leaning, they should say, we're left-leaning. If somebody is right-leaning, they should say, we're right-leaning. If somebody is a talking head like myself, a political commentator, they should say that. Then you should listen to me and then you should find somebody that's on the other side of me. You should balance that out. You have a responsibility. I don't ever just listen to one side of things or just read one paper or one article. If I read something that tells the story ABC, I want to hear the other side as well. But that's on me. I don't put that on the people that publish those stories. I don't say, well, MSNBC's one way. I listen to MSNBC. I think they have a lot of shitty reporters, 
outside of their crazy bias, I am wildly aware, definitely widely awake to the fact that Fox News is far right-leaning, is, is biased to the right. I get it. The thing that bothers me is not that these news stations and these reporters or these talking heads have a bias. It's that wherever the people are, they just stop holding elected officials accountable. Okay, if you have a bias and you're not going to write about what goes on in city government in Muncie or Winchester properly, that's fine. But where is somebody that will? You know, these elected officials act like they cannot be criticized. Used to, they would know, they understood, that just comes with the job. It just comes with the job. I'm going to get yelled at. Can't make everybody happy. People are going to be mad, and they wouldn't strike back. But now you talk badly about an elected official and they yell at you. They tell you that you're not nice. They tell you you're part of the problem. They don't want you to be in their community. They say you shouldn't be in their community. Think about how insane that is. Think about how crazy that is. If you had a reporter standing up talking to the president in Washington, D.C., hell, there's people that live in Washington, D.C., but these reporters don't live in D.C. They're from New York or other places of the country, and, and they all flock there because that's part of their job. Could you imagine telling a reporter, the, the White House press secretary tells a reporter, I'm not going to answer that question because you're from Florida. No, they just go on with it, and they understand it's part of the job, but you get down to local politicians, mayors and governors and commissioners, council people, and they feel like they can huff and puff and sigh and yell and cuss because they're being questioned. That's part of the job. That's what these people are doing. And if the citizens aren't doing it, the reporters are. And if the reporters aren't doing it, well, maybe it takes a, a political commentator. Maybe it takes a podcaster. May I, you know, I get it that there are people that don't take me serious. I get it. I understand that there are people that think what I do is a joke, or I just like drama, or I just like to cause trouble or turbulence. They like to not take what I do serious or not... They like to say that, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. But that's, that's ludicrous. I can point to you time and time and time again when there have been things that I have called well in advance that I have talked about, that I have published, that I have put forward, that have all come true. I have worked on multiple winning and losing campaigns, and I've been around the block. At the end of the day, 
it's not about who's smartest, who's rightest, who's wrongest. It's just about the person who puts in the time, who knows the information, and is who's and, and who's willing to stand up and and to do the work and to say, look, it it's a team effort. It's not all about me. It's not all about the power. It's about the community. And man, all I'm wanting to do is to simply ask some questions. I just simply want to ask some questions. Now, I want to give you guys a great example. A great example. And what I'm going to do here towards the end of this episode, and I'm going to set the scene up, is I'm going to play for you a recording from two people speaking to city council members, elected council members of the Winchester, Indiana City Council. Now, don't tune out here if you're not from Winchester. Don't tune out if you're from a different state than Indiana because you're not going to hear a whole lot from the council. What you're going to hear is you're going to hear pleas. You're going to hear citizens saying, this is what we want you to hear. You're going to hear our pleas to these folks. Now, the first person you're going to hear talk is a citizen named Josh Kimbrell. Josh Kimbrell is a citizen of Winchester, Indiana. He's a taxpayer. He lives in Winchester. He's lived there for four or five years. So these are his elected officials. And he has been having a hellacious time with these elected officials for quite some time. And he's been trying to deal with them, and he's been getting his rights violated, and it's been crazy. It's really been crazy over the last month or so. And all he's trying to do is get them to understand where he's coming from. So he goes up to the podium and he starts speaking. Now, this is not the first meeting that he's been to. He's been to other meetings. And there have been times when he has been a little bit more aggressive or angry. Nothing that has been inappropriate. It's all been appropriate because of the circumstances that he's been talking about. But he tries something different at this meeting. This meeting was from the Winchester City Council meeting on Monday, the 18th of January. And it's just it's just now been put up for those of us to listen this was recorded by the city of winchester they put it up uh this this morning so i want you guys to hear this because it's not like he's talking about like hey uh this is about the stop sign down here or this is about some project it's it's him talking about how they govern and what's interesting about this is you hear them get mad, specifically one, 
a female city council member, Lisa Friend, get mad, and you hear her get frustrated. And matter of fact, she even uses the wor- those words at various points that she's frustrated. And then there's a point in here where he addresses her because she happens to be the city council member who's also the editor of the local paper. And so they have some back and forth about that. And what I'm wanting you to listen to here is how this citizen from the community is addressing these council members. He's polite. He's respectful. There's nothing out of line about what he's saying. Everything is appropriate. Nothing is bad or wrong. And it's it's just crazy how Lisa, city councilor Lisa Friend, treats him. And, you know, it's you hear a couple other council members talk to him, and they seem like they get it. But she's just not having any of it. I didn't plan on speaking. But then, because of how she treated him, I then decided to speak up. And for those of you that know, I lived in Winchester for 10 years. These people, some of them were my council members. I fought these people year in and year out. Winchester is where I was famously arrested for speaking in a council meeting on the 27th of November, 2017. That resulted in the lawsuit, and that is where the podcast came from, more or less. That whole big story. So I'm used to speaking up and fighting these people, word for word, battling it out in Winchester. And I I just wanted to let them know, because I am no longer a citizen of Winchester, But they know they can't shut me up or shut me down. Now, I do have to say, Winchester has a three-minute time limit. And they only allow citizens three minutes when they address the council. We were the only two citizens in the room for the entire meeting. There, there might have been a couple more citizens, but at this point, like we were the only two citizens addressing them, and they actually gave us more than three minutes. And I am thankful that they did that. I am thankful that they listened. And I do believe that what we said got through to one or two, maybe two and a half council members. But then you can listen to how Lisa addresses me, and I bring up the journalism side of things, and just listen to how she does not like criticism, and then ask yourselves, it doesn't matter who is criticizing her, if it's, if it's a newspaper, it's not going to be her local paper, because she is journalism in Winchester. As far as Winchester goes, she is journalism. So that's over. She's not got anything to say negative about anybody in government in Winchester or Randolph County because she's it. She knows that I am a commentator. She knows that I am a talking head. I'm a political commentator. I'm a pundit. She knows I'm an opinion guy. She knows I have this. She knows that I am under the umbrella of media, of press, Although I am not a journalist in the broader sense of the word, but she doesn't allow for me to criticize her. And she knows that I am right and I I know what I'm talking about. But still yet, she just does not allow for the criticism. And this this is where 
it all happens. This is where the idea was sparked from because it's like my battles with the mayor and the mayor's administration in my home community of Muncie. They do not allow for criticism of their dear leader, the mayor. Other places do not allow for criticism. And when they will not allow for criticism, when they will not hear you speaking, they will just turn that off, tune you out. Where is there to go from here? Where is there to go? There's nowhere to go from here because they will not have a civilized discussion with a journalist, a citizen, me, you. So how, how do we accomplish anything? The only thing that's left for us to do is to say, you don't want to sit there. You don't want to listen to what we have to say. You don't want to have a dialogue. You don't want to be part of the conversation, part of the discussion. You want to roll your eyes. You want to be rude. You want to think that you're bigger and better than anybody else in here. Then you need to leave your seat. You're not fit for politics. You need to resign. And if not, then by God, we're going to vote you out. Now, what sucks about this is... In the last election, she was actually running against somebody. I had planned after the 2017 ordeal and the lawsuit in 2019, I was going to work to get all of these people out. And then something crazy happened. In 2019, the one person that ran against Lisa actually happened to be worse than Lisa. And so Lisa and I talked and... We buddy-buddied up through that, and I helped her the best that I could, and I campaigned hard against that kid, and I went full court press, and she was okay with it until she wins, and then she wants to forget about all of that, and I actually bring that up. So, the context to what you're going to hear, don't worry that you do or do not know about specifically what we may be talking about on the, the things that kind of gets into the weeds, there's not a whole lot of that going on. The main thing is what we're addressing them because, why, why they're being addressed, what we're saying to them, and how they are approaching it. And that's what you need to pick up on. So we're going to go ahead and play cut one now. At this time, we'll entertain uh, citizens' concerns. Just state your name and your concerns. Well, first, my name is Josh. You guys already pretty much know me. Um, this always seems to be a problem for you guys. It's all off the record. Now, maybe I started last time with you guys a little incorrectly. Maybe I came off wrong. But I have a good wife who keeps me centered and balanced when I go off the rails a little bit. And she said, you know, maybe they didn't know about the mayor, the attorney, the judge, and the secretary trying to conspire to do this stuff. Give them a chance. So now, I do that now. I come to you guys with a chance. Maybe we can have a back and forth. When there's a city ordinance that's brought to you guys, usually there's a backing for it, correct? I mean, you guys are having discussion here back and forth, so I hope that would continue. Hopefully we can have a discussion. Usually something occurs 
that's brought to the city's attention that, hey, man, we need an ordinance for this. Correct? Well, we had three ordinances that were brought to your guys' attention. Do you guys even question what the backstory of those ordinances were before they were presented to you guys? The first ordinance was on social media. Well, there were some videos where citizens redressed their grievances towards your mayor's actions and his secretary's actions. That made him angry. There was another video, and forgive me, I'm a little underneath the weather, so I might seem a little fatigued while I'm speaking up here, but I'm, I'm trying to manage it. But the second incident was I went to the attorney's office after I was directed to go speak to him at his office. If I had any concerns that that's our city attorney, if I needed to speak to him about city matters, I'd be walking into his office, which I was not. The door was shut in my face. I was, cops were called on me for going to speak about city concerns. So the first ordinance with the Facebook page, you guys passed that ordinance. Can anybody tell me what happened to the Facebook page now? It's gone, it's deleted. So what was the point of that ordinance right there? We no longer have a Winchester Facebook page. The only one we do have now is the one that I run, where everybody's welcome to speak freely there. I don't claim to be the government, but I keep it open for citizens' concerns, because I actually care. So after that incident happened, the second ordinance, operations of this building. Sounds like a small, you know, ordinance, but what is the, the goal behind it? You guys asked him, Tom, you asked him at the one meeting, what are the hours planning on changing to? From his own mouth, the hours aren't planning on changing. He plans on changing, letting people into this building to conduct city business, not past that double door right there. That means not being able to go to the mayor's office or to the clerk's office to get records, which we all have a right to do. You have a right to do it, I have a right to do it, we all have a right to do it. So maybe you guys don't know about the retaliation that they are attempting to do. So what I ask you now, with your council powers, instead of me coming at you guys as enemies, I'm coming at you guys as calling for assistance. You guys have special powers where you can investigate further than I can. I ask you guys to look into why these ordinances were put into place and passed to you guys. Was there a conspiracy between your mayor and his attorney to put a law in place to quiet a citizen's rights? And I can tell you, yes, there is. I can't get those emails. I, I get denied a, a, a client attorney privilege. Guess what? You can't deny you guys that. Especially when there's a special counsel brought forward to investigate wrongdoing. You have more power than he does, especially when you guys all come together. And I, I plead to you guys to look into it. And I apologize if I did come at you guys last time wrong. I just thought it was all on the same team, you guys versus us. I, I was under the impression, too, though, that you did want us to show who had the authority to set parameters in this building. So I, I went on that from from a citizen asking us to do that because it, it was vague actually in our ordinances so that was done and I think we always have going forward the right to veto or change or augment that if we feel that it is inappropriate yes. and I, I would hope that we would show goodwill to you and any other person that we we're not going to just he or us be just a good old boy's cronyism here we're not going to do that we're not going to we're not going to 
either do like I'm controlling you and he's not controlling me either. We're not going to do that. I don't think we've ever operated that way since I've been here. I've had a few times where I haven't felt particularly happy by certain people on the council, but it's okay. But that's part of it. And like you said, if you can't handle it, you get out of here. Be a duck. And that's why I'm glad I have such a good wife because she can look at stuff. Oh, mine does that from too. The outside <laughs> help explain it to me a little bit better. Maybe I was unfair to you guys last time by coming in here guns blazing. That was probably the wrong approach. I appreciate your apology because it, I, I felt like I was a pretty broad judgment. Um, even our harshest critics sometimes aren't that harsh. <laughs> That's how I felt, you know. like to clarify, that's how I felt is the man that was making that type of advancement towards my daughter and when I came here to the city hall to get help to find records, it felt like instantly it was me versus him and everybody else behind him because I was getting denied. Doors were being locked and that's all I was trying to do was to pull records for his court case and everything like that to help get justice for my daughter. And then having the door shut in my face telling me, you know, it doesn't matter. It, it felt like the city sided with him over my little girl. And that should not have made me as angry. Well, it should have made me as angry as I, I was. But I should have been more subjective to other people's views on the matter and I don't know how much you guys knew prior to that but I can tell you right now that with a little bit of an investigation I hope that you guys do exert that power you guys have to look into it a little bit because I'm I'm tired I'm fatigued I'm beat down fighting this but I'm, I'm gonna keep going I'm not gonna stop even if it's the death of me and I'm gonna keep going all the way everybody who's complacent with this might as well be as guilty as it. So I'm, I'm giving you guys a chance now to hear me out and do the right thing. Thank you. One thing I don't think you realize is all of us have full-time jobs. Most all of us do. We're not in and out of this building every single day, sometimes not every week. So we don't know the ins and outs. We don't know who comes in. We don't know who goes out. And coming off the heels of COVID, we never had anything in place so that if we needed to lock down this building for one reason or another, we as a council cannot make the decision as to how many people come in and out of here every day. Yeah. He can. So it's Seems better like off for us to what? let him have, please let me finish. It's better off for us to let him have that power to be able to say, hey, look, we hear all the time, COVID numbers are spiking. We've got this different outbreak, that different outbreak, you know. We don't have a clue. But at any certain time, he can't get a hold of us to get a quorum. He can make that decision on his own for the safety of the people who work for us, people like Kerry who was elected by others in the community, not just for the sheer fact that he wants to lock a door. That's not what anybody is trying to do. We're trying to set a standard that we never had before when it was very important that we should have already had it in place. Yeah. So I think there's certain laws too that we're having a learning experience. You need to look at uh, this way as how so why we're doing things as before well. This March May 31st, the building was completely unlocked, no signs, no restrictions, minus the buzzer outside. Mm -hmm. I came in to get public records, made him angry. Then two days after I made him angry, doors were locked, 
Those double doors were locked. Signs were put up, closing the whole entire building down to the general public. I still have copy. One sign still hanging up out there. It says closed to the general public. Close to the general public. Still hanging up. The other two signs. The other two signs I have at the other two signs I have at home because he physically gave them to me the day Bert came and told him what he was doing was illegal via the sign code and had to take them down. So he ripped them down and handed them to me personally. I have those two at home right now. And I think everybody in this so, building and in this room is aware that it, you cannot be stopped from coming in and, and doing your business. But And that's been made very clear to you and everybody else knows that this is what is going on. We're not blind. We all know what's going on and that's okay. But we have taken measures to make sure going down the road, if there's another COVID outbreak, he has the ability to, to shut the, the office down without having to get a hold of every single one of us to get a quorum for the safety of everybody, customers, you, the employees, everybody coming in and out. So That's, was it safe for me that I was notified when the lady was standing a foot from my face blocking the door in entranceway that the next day he informed me that she was COVID positive? How was that safe for the public? Did she have a mask on? Yeah, but those... It's not an N90 mask, so I, I mean, if you want to go technically, that mask was a diaper. I'm just saying that is the reason why I voted for it to be done, was so that in the future, okay. if there is a reason let, let why. Let me remind you also, the Indiana Code for powers of delegation, you guys do not delegate your powers as counsel to him. There is a balance, a separation of balance and power. He cannot perform your duties, you guys cannot perform his duties. By delegating that to him, you're, you're passing your duties on. Don't, don't. I believe you're wrong there because we had to during COVID when we were unable to attend meetings, we had to give our powers to the clerk and to the mayor to be able to sign off on claims. So you might want to check that because we were able to do that. We, we can do some. I mean, he's that's, he's a general a manager. So emergency mm -hmm. act. I don't believe so. Because at the time uh, when uh, technically on, on paper when I was attending meetings, have been opened back up for over a year now, well over a year, well over a year. And numbers are still affecting people and stuff like that to that nature. When I came in and get my packets for a long time, I had to buzz in and do it just like everybody else. I got a little thing to bypass that, but I still tell them I'm coming in. So I wasn't just against you. Yeah, that was, I think most people were identified and so forth and or a police officer was cut called or somebody so um, and, and i think we've learned a lot the kind of the way i looked at it was all the things that's wrong in the world today and you had someone say you come in you was upset upset father with your dad with your daughter you were you know filming old ways and cameras and things i think a lot of they felt kind of the security part of it was they felt wild, you know, that they were, maybe something was going to happen, I don't know. I, I understand it's your right to come in and stuff, but 
I just, you know, I just kind of thought maybe yeah, it's being just an upset, happened. you know, mm -hmm. it just, it's in Texas. So. It was just. Do you, do you understand? Does anybody? I, I understand does exactly. Does anybody understand why I didn't film in the first place? Yeah. Because of the first incident. Because the first incident does not exist right now. It never happened. Only people that is know that it happened is between me and Joe Sheets because he was the officer. I was the complainant. It's not on paper. It's not on record. It's not in the system. It does not exist. So not, therefore, it, it never happened. So with me recording, now it can't disappear. It cannot be just a memory. It, it is fact. That's the whole reason why I record. And that why upset people. I have no idea why there's, like I pointed out numerous times before, there's lots of cameras here. The only thing about your guys' cameras here, there's no sound on them. As far as I know, there's no sound on them. But I, I wasn't intentionally coming in here to try to cause ruckus, make people upset or anything like that. I was just documenting what I was going through. And then from the retaliation, I mean, come on, uh, ordinance or, or Facebook of people who can post on there and redress their grievances because it hurt his ego. Like that's that's um, that's your that's your perception on it, and that's fine. That's not necessarily my perception on it. I I run the newspaper. What's your? And I know I've read I've read your. I run the newspaper, and, and I don't want anyone. I don't want anyone posting things that don't relate to a story, whether it's on my business page, whether it's on my personal page, or whether it's on the newspaper's page. If it doesn't relate to the story that's being broadcasted it's on Facebook, business you have special. Yes, it is. You, you and I have a right to take that page down, just as the city has a right to take that page down. Or Facebook. That's like closing, that's like closing no, the public square. They have square. the right to take the page down. Do they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> it's a Facebook. Yeah. It was. Who, 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 who owns that, that page? I would assume Facebook owns Nobody it. Nobody owns it. <laughs> I own my Facebook well. pages. I can make money off of them and everything else. I am the person on it. At least that Is that YouTube Facebook. or Facebook? Same, same thing. Really? I have my, my thing. But just like the public square, if I wanted to go out in that public square and protest, nobody has the right to shut that public square down to just to end protest. Right. It's the same concept as a public forum. That Facebook is a public forum. You, for somebody who works in the newspaper, it's sad to see some of the reports you report and everything else, like how you covered Union City. That, that was a sad display of journalism right there. That, that makes me sick. So with another note, since we're giving out money, I got an idea for a business. I want to open up a newspaper. I don't have a person that has a building for me. I don't have any ideas, but we're Smith making your plan. out. So Smith your plan and race to the next meeting. Yeah. I just I did a verbal, just like you did. You can make it work. Okay. But I, I got an idea for a business. I want to open up a newspaper here in Winchester. How about I don't have a building like the other guy. You don't have nothing to set in stone yet. You got an idea. I got an idea. I want to have a free press. One that doesn't cover up and everything. Can I get $10,000? Don't hear your motion. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. Real quick. Just yeah, Chris. You know it's okay if people are angry at you guys, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you understand it's okay for people to disagree with you. I think we all I mean, but Lisa seems like she takes it personally. Yeah. Yeah. You've sat there and you've huffed and you've kind of got sparked. It gets aggravating. That's all. It does get aggravating. You know what? But if you get tired of it, 
leave your seat and let someone sit in your seat. I helped you. I worked hard for you when you ran against Sean's boy that ran last time because I didn't think he would be the appropriate person sitting in that seat. You don't remember it now. I've got all the messages. Okay. But, you know, I, I thought you would be the better. It's just, it's, it's frustrating. Whether there's one person in here or a hundred people in here, and you don't have to look at him. I'm not looking at anybody. Crazy person. I'm just talking. No, no. But it's really, it's really frustrating to see. And why I understand his frustration, because I came here for years and did the shit myself. It's frustrating to see you guys act so. It's called toxic positivity. And I hate all these new woke terminology and all that. But but I'll, I'll be honest. It's called toxic positivity. When it's you guys are so afraid of negativity. You're so afraid of someone's going to post something on a stupid Facebook page. You're right. It is a stupid Facebook page. But you're taking Winchester into the 1980s. There's not another government around that's like, well, people's posting, someone's posting about the farmland thing. It's not Winchester. Somebody's pissed at the mayor again. We'll, we'll delete Facebook. You guys are going backwards. You guys should, you guys, I, I said it for years when Sean sat up there. You guys should be filming and posting it on the Facebook page, live streaming. Because it's sad to come in here and there be three people. But you know what? If you did that, people would watch it. They might not watch it live. Maybe they're working. Maybe they just got off at 5.30. Maybe they're home taking care of their kids or they're sick in bed. They would watch that on Facebook. They would watch your meetings. You would have citizens participating in your government. And... She talked about perception. The perception is, when you guys do things like that, is you don't want people participating. And I'm not saying that's true. Maybe it's not true. That, I, you know, I, I, I know very, I, I, I know that Mr. Nunez cares greatly about this community. Works his ass off. I, I believe it. I, I, I've communicated with you very little. I know very little about Bear. Lisa and I went around and around for years. Sometimes we're friendly, sometimes we're not. I've talked to Tom. I think Tom really cares about what's going on. One of the things that's frustrating, and, and I don't mean this as a slight, but I have heard you say this since 2013, that you guys are working at a learning curve on the law. This is not your first term. This is not your first term. This is not, I mean, I, this, I, I forget, this is your, your first term. Here. Coming, yeah, here. You've all been in government. There should be no learning curves on, on First Amendment rights. And we're talking about people coming into a building. Yes, he should have the ability in, 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 a, in a pandemic to, to say, okay, the building's shut down. Or if people are out there with a gun or something's going on, we should do that. How horrible would it be? And I've said this a couple times, and people are like, oh, shit. How horrible would it be if somebody left the trailer park out here 
A woman leaves the trailer park after getting punched in the face by her husband, gets in her car, tears off down here. He's destroyed her phone. She's trying to get into the city hall to get to a police officer, a fireman, somebody. And she doesn't know, oh, you got to press the button and get buzzed in. Husband pulls up and shoots her out here. And we've shut down City Hall because somebody's coming in with a camera. And you guys act frustrated when people come up and talk to you. You're elected to sit in those seats to hear the good, the bad, the in-between, people being happy, uh, uh, hearing about the uh, cemetery. But there is nothing more important than the thoughts of your people, whether there's, like Lisa wrote in the last column for in here, there were 15 people in here, but only two got up to say anything. And, I, you know, I don't know, maybe you didn't mean that as a slant, but I'll tell you what it appears, whoever did, okay? And you're the editor, so it came from, you know, you're, you're, it runs uphill. What it appears like when people read that is, what you're, whoever wrote it, is saying there were 15 people in the audience, some of them might have been citizens, some of them might have not, but there's only two crazy people writing. Everybody else is perfectly fine with what you guys are doing. And that's not true. Some people don't feel comfortable speaking. Some people don't know the words to put together. Some people are afraid of retaliation. So, it, it, he's not exaggerating when he says he's getting hundreds of phone calls of people calling him and saying, I live on Orange Street, I live on Brown Street, I live on Meridian, I think what you're doing is great, keep it up, go up there, here's my issue, will you help me out? It used to happen to me. I live 35 miles that way, and I still get people to call me from here. I get griped at monthly for the last two years because I don't come here anymore. Because I'm busy in Muncie and I'm busy in Newcastle. And, and, and I turned this into a career, Ad, ad being an advocate and griping. It's frustrating, though, the faces, and you, just, you guys need to understand that. You have, I mean, like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I love the way that he came at you today. He apologized. He came with hat in hand. He was like, can we open up a dialogue? And just in saying that, I tried to open up. I tried to explain exactly why I voted the way that I did. That's great. And that was not good enough. That is not how he wanted what he wanted to hear. So that's why I get frustrated, and that's why I get aggravated. We none of us really want to open ourselves up to that. I choose to to explain how I felt and why I did it that way. That's not good enough. That's not what he wanted to hear. So he's not happy with it. You're not happy with it. I didn't want to when, hear anything. I just wanted to address the whole, could you look into it? That's and that's I, what I explained to you. I had looked into it. But, but I, I guess one of the Before things, I voted. One of the things is, it's okay that you address that. That's I love that you did that. But it's okay for him to still not like that answer. And that's oh, fine. Yeah. I understand it. No, I understand that. But you, you know one of the greatest things? If you guys could live stream these, which is really easy, have a Facebook page, have a tablet, have a cell phone. It's really easy. It's not as nearly as hard as anybody's ever tried to make it. You could go back and listen and watch your reactions and think, oh, man, maybe, maybe I did kind of come off as 
standoffish or or maybe maybe I could see why someone would think that I was a little rude or outline because you're 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 still talking aggravated and I'm not cutting at you Lisa I'm talking to everybody but you're still coming you that 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 sense of I'm aggravated because they don't like what I'm saying that that part is is like it's not a good fit for government that, and that's why I've done exactly what we're doing. And, and I appreciate and, and, and I've done and to, You know, I mean, to not be too smart alecky sure. here, I, I watched our city council from that view, and not only did it look kind of like they're explaining, but, I mean, I put on 20 pounds, <laughs> I don't like that, you know, serious, but we... Uh, I guess um, that's good. We've uh, heard you, and thank you very and, much. Um, I appreciate you. you I, I'm going to give a little liberty you. tonight, um, yeah. and um, I appreciate the liberty of the council here, um, letting me have that. May I disagree, but that's all right. I've I've been doing it a long time, and I know I ain't even close to getting it all together. But then again. I, I didn't know I was ignorant of the law that bad. So come on. So thank you guys very much. All right, thank you. Any, anything else? Motion to adjourn. Second. Okay. Moved and seconded. All in favor, say aye. Aye. Five. Five. Thank you. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I I don't know what to say. You can hear it in our voices, like we're pleading with them. And you can hear it in mostly Counselor Lisa Friend's voice, how she is so distraught. She's so disheveled. She's so upset. She's so angered that we would ever question her or ask her for dialogue. And then when she speaks, still not like the answer that she gives us. It's that that I'm talking about here. And it doesn't matter if you're a citizen, if you're a non-citizen, if you're Walter Cronkite, if you're Christopher Bilbrey, if you're Scott Squan from from Channel 13 and Indianapolis News. doesn't matter who you are. She is not going to accept criticism. And when that is the case, where do we go? Ladies and gentlemen, we have been going for quite some time here, and we are just scratching the surface. This is going to be something that I talk about over the next couple episodes. It's not like a part one or a part two, part three. You can listen out of order. We're just going to be delving into this more because there is so much we could talk about. I honestly could go on for another three hours and then you guys would like kill me. So I want you all to please share the show with everyone you know. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I cannot wait to pick this conversation up in the next episode. You guys are fantastic. Love each and every one of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving me a little bit of your time. As always, God bless each and every one of you. And until next time, stay safe, stay tuned, stay true. It's Christopher Bilbrey for Perception is Reality. I'm out. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey.
Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception Perception is is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.